Hello, everyone. Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. This is Aaron. This is Matt. Hey, do you know what I realized uh, last episode, Matt, is we never, we, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sharing the blame with you, we never welcomed people. Did you notice that? Did you listen to it? Uh, yeah, I listened to it. I didn't notice that. I felt so welcomed automatically. Do you think by now people have an idea who we are and that they know that they're welcomed? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think um, <laughs> I think there there's probably half a million listeners who are just starting to listen at this episode. So it's a good thing to welcome. Okay, good. I commend you for your um, your self loathing over failing to welcome <laughs> in the last episode. I almost edited one in, just like oh wow, you know, like. Fix it in post situation. Would have been inorganic. Yeah, very inorganic. We're nothing if not organic. No. Um, Matt, I have something that I need to talk to you about. Oh, I, I'm very curious about this. Right off the bat. I've, I, this is a little behind the scenes. Can I give a little behind the scenes? To okay. The there's, all right. First of all, there's two things. First of all, uh, I'm wearing headphones right now, which makes me feel like I shouldn't even be talking. <laughs> Just like I should be listening. So that could get problematic. <laughs> Uh, but the the second thing is usually I come in feeling pretty prepared for an episode. I have never felt less prepared. Oh, really? Well, that's not entirely true for our conversation that's coming later. But we really did not have a lot of conversation about what this episode would look like. No. And so I'm kind of, I feel like I, you're in the driver's seat. You are often holding a legal pad or a notepad uh, or your beloved Rocketbook. Okay, you do have a couple pages. Okay, of notes. good. <laughs> With some highlighted. I just feel like I have no idea what what's happening at the top of the show. <laughs> look, you... look what I'm holding, Matt. This is four packets of paper. <laughs> oh my goodness! Each using a staple. Okay, there's something that's been brought to my attention, and we really do need to address it right away. Okay, go ahead. There's there's this con- there's this okay. Here's how I'm going to start. I'm going to start by playing... This, one of the reasons we're wearing headphones is because I have to play something for you. It's a piece of media. Okay. And um, it's a voicemail I received from a listener named Markman Bibber. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, let me see if I can get this to go. Let's just wait a second. And here it comes. Hey, Aaron. Mark Van Bibber here. Hey, I don't know if this message is going to make any sense, but I'm, I am laughing because, you know, I listen to your Curious Churches podcasts, which are just awesome. Thank you. <laughs> but my wife has noticed that I use the word right too often now, right? So if that makes sense. So I'm listening to your podcast and like every time you guys say right it just like blows up at me and i just start laughing um i'd like to count maybe how many times you guys say right but not like you know right like you're answering them but right like it's at the end of a sentence instead of a period you put you say right and then you go on and so i do that with my wife i guess sometimes and she'll say are you asking me a question are you wanting to know if I understand what part of right do you feel you need to be asking me right now? <laughs> and then I'm looking at these podcasts going, I'm not getting any better at this if I keep listening to them. <laughs> we're making Mark's life worse. I don't think we're that bad, with right? All our <laughs> so, that, so I played this for my wife and I said, well, surely it can't be that bad. Yeah, that's that's my assumption. That's, my, that's that was my assumption, and so he was referencing the episode that we did with Q on okay. vocation. So it's Q's fault. Is that what you're saying? Well, I should. It's Q's fault, right? He should. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark. He should at least be in the room. I think when I play this, but I went and listened back oh to that goodness. episode. I marked every right. Oh, you did it. <laughs> How many would you guess there are? Okay, how long was the episode? Do you, can you remember? Uh, it was about, I don't. It was, about, it was almost an hour, right? I think it was just under an hour. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm going to estimate... 
Okay, I you know I believe Mark. I think Mark is a pretty trustworthy guy. So he's saying it's frequently. Yeah, I'm gonna guess we said it every three minutes. So twenty. Okay, that's reasonable. Yeah, uh, I was also kind of curious who the biggest offender was of oh, this. Oh dear, it's probably me, right? Well, <laughs> it's it was pre- it was spread pretty well. I oh, would really? say, yeah, yeah, we had a great time doing this in the car i was playing had my computer in the car as we were on a road trip and every time we hit one i'd make a little marker anyway so it was about 44 times whoa yeah and what i did was i took the liberty of making a super cut of, of all the rights okay uh matt and it sounds a little bit like this right 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 Oh, so sorry. Poor Q at the end. He was just doing a really uh, generous, you know, right, 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 right. But he gets kind of uh, oh, wow. blasted at the end there. So this sent me down a little bit of a, well, I did a little, a little soul searching and, yeah. and I did a little, I did, you know, I did a little research. Okay. I'm like, so what, what's going on here that we're ending This is what sentences. your four packets are about? <laughs> uh, three of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. What's going on here that we are saying right all the time? So I, what we're what we're doing is is a filler word. Yes. So it's in lieu of, and there there's lots of research on this. It's actually kind of interesting. Uh huh. So, uh huh is one. Is that one? Because I was um, like I was affirming. That's true. That's more of an said, affirmation. I could have said yes. You could have said right. I, in fact, darn it, I missed an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just share a couple of things with you. Oh, it's also called. Um, it can be called a hesitation. Okay. Form. And then there are like all these reasons for doing this. Okay, so uh, this was written by a former English professor. I don't know why he's former. Maybe he got fired. <laughs> very bad it. sign for <laughs> the factual nature of what you're about to read. Okay, but. this is so we all know like we English speakers pause and sometimes we'll yes. do it to kind of think of the next thing or we'll yes. sort of an inadvertent request for acknowledgement. Right. But I found this really interesting. Why do some people fill the air with non-words and sounds? For some, it is a sign of nervousness. They fear silence and experience speaker anxiety. Okay. I don't know. Maybe that's happening a little bit. Are there multiple options here? Is this sort of a is this a multiple choice quiz now? Oh no, like, it's not. I, I identify which one I most. Oh no, okay. no, I think I think I've already identified it. Oh, okay. But I'm just sharing now. Great. So there's a re- there's a study at Columbia University that suggests another reason. Columbia psychologists speculated that speakers fill pauses when searching for the next word. Mm-hmm. To investigate this idea, they counted the use of filler words used by lecturers in biology, chemistry, and mathematics, where the subject matter uses scientific definitions that limit the variety of word choices available to the speaker. Oh, that's interesting. I th- found this very interesting. They then compared the number of filler words used by teachers in English, art history, and philosophy, where the subject matter is less well-defined and more open to word choices. 20 science lecturers used an average of 1.39 uhs a minute compared with 4.85 uhs a minute by the 13 humanity teachers. Whoa. Yeah, almost four times as many. So their conclusion is that the subject matter and breadth of vocabulary may determine the use of filler words more than habit or anxiety. Fascinating. Yes. So Perhaps no profession has uttered more ums or uhs than the legal profession. This is from an author, uh, Joey Asher. Is he also a former something? I don't think he's a, he's a, some kind of Red, some kind Reddit of user, Reddit reader. <laughs> Blogger. <laughs> Blogger, Joey. Well, he wrote a book called Selling and Communication Skills for Lawyers. Okay. For whatever that's Self, worth. Self-published. Yeah. yeah. No <laughs> ALM publishing. Garage. Oh, okay. Such words are a clear indication that the speaker's style is halting and uncertain. He says, eliminate these filler words. The lack of ums and uhs alone can make you sound more confident. And it's not hard to do. Just pause. Every time you feel that you're about to use a filler word, pause instead. Wow. So that's all of really interesting stuff about filler words. But check this out, Matt. Oh, there's more research. There's more. Friends, uh, just let me paint a little picture. Aaron just threw only one packet to the ground. <laughs> there's still three more. Do not worry. There's more research coming. There's more to be said. 
And this, so this source I found is fascinating because it's a website for non-native English speakers. So it's oh, okay, uh, for people learning English. Yes. And what they want to, and it's actually encouraging you to use filler words in moderation to sound more like a native speaker, more authentic. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Huh. Top fifteen common English filler words you should know. Okay. Well. Well. Um, er, and uh is mm -hmm. number two. Number three, hmm. Hmm. Like, my neighbor has like 10 dogs. These examples are funny. 10 dogs? That's, uh, that is a ton of dogs. I don't think you say like in that sentence. No. I, think, I think it's just an exclamation. Number five, actually, basically, or seriously, actually, pugs are really cute. The ten um, actually, the 10 pugs that my neighbor has are like not that cute. Exactly. Right? You see, is number six. Okay. I was going to try the app, but you see, I ran out of space on my phone. You know, you know. We mm -hmm. stayed at that hotel. You know, the one down the street from Times Square. I mean, he's a great guy. I'm just not sure if he's a good doctor. <laughs> the phrase, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the phrase, at the end of the day. At the end of the day, we're all just humans and we all make mistakes. Okay. Eleven. Believe me. I didn't yeah. want this tiny house, but it was the only one I could afford. Oh, I believe it. I guess, or I suppose, is number twelve. Okay. Uh, or something. Or something? Uh, the cake used two sticks of butter and ten eggs or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. I'd probably do that one a lot. Okay, and so? So what are you doing next weekend? Okay, so we're going to need to buy supplies for our trip this weekend. Yeah, okay. That, those are kind of runway words to me. Like they, yeah, maybe. Some of these are like that. Number 15, right, mm-hmm, and uh-huh. We made the list. We are helping non-native English speakers... So the example... Regular rhythm English. Okay. I found that really... I found the idea of filler words as, you know, useful, kind of interesting. Because I think most English speakers would rather get rid of them. Yeah. Two out of four now on the ground of Aaron's packets. He's got a third one in hand now. This site also wants to know why we use them. To show that we're thinking. Okay. To make a statement less harsh. Like, <laughs> well, you have... Um, you have a little something in your teeth. Something like that. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought about that usage. To make your statement weaker or stronger. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think we're doing with right. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, oh, to stall for time is one. That's not what I think we're doing. What I think we're doing is including the listener in the conversation without ending the sentence. Including the so, listener in the conversation. So the, here's an example. They use you know, and, but I think right could work as well. A, co a conversation takes at least two people. Some filler words and phrases can include the other person in the conversation. It's a bit like reaching out to them as you're speaking to keep their attention. For example, it was a really big bear, you know? It was a really big bear, right? I see. I see. The sentence includes the listener without ending your speaking turn. Well, I am always paranoid that you might not be listening to me, so... <laughs> That does that does make a every make time sense. every time you do a right, I perk up. I'm ready to join. I'm ready to join in. So filler words can be an English learner's best friends if you use them correctly and not too often, according to this site. If you find that you're using too many, <laughs> if you find yourself using too many filler words when you speak, say 44 in an hour or whatever it was, it might be time to either study some more vocabulary Ooh. or slow down your speech. Yeah. Wow, this um, is maybe the most self-referential we've ever been. And we've been pretty self-referential in the past. Uh, now, my fear, Matt, is that if we really start to think too much about this, it's going to impede the flow of conversation or the thoughtfulness of the content of our conversation. I'm already, what do you think? I'm already feeling paranoid. <laughs> and my speech speed is likely to slow way down. <laughs> Oh. I wonder if that's a good thing or Pro not. I, I, I do not know. Hmm. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, Mark. Hey, hey, I'd like to make a comment. Thanks, Mark, about for Mark. single handedly ruining the podcast. Remember when we had Mark Holland on? This yeah. was on uh, Centering Prayer. Yes. There, I just used an uh. I, I'm just trash of a speaker. <laughs> but Mark came on and he teased us about saying like all the time. Now oh. we have heard from another Mark 
Oh, I might call it a Mark Spiracy, <laughs> who is trying to undermine the natural flow of this podcast. I, you know, I don't want to put that all on Mark Van Biver because that was a very, it was a mostly nice voicemail in which the end sounds like he may no longer listen to our podcast. <laughs> so I'm not quite clear where that landed. Uh, it was mostly very complimentary other than this particular tick. The irony about this one is this is always something that has driven me crazy. So this is, it is... So something you noticed, you have noticed already. Well, not in myself. That's part of the oh, existential yeah. moment that I'm experiencing yeah. because I did know someone who would always say at the end of everything, right, right, right. And it was said in such a way that it, the tone of it did feel like there was in fact some response required in the affirmative oh. and i always felt like especially when we were talking about something where we might not agree it was a very unfair move because I, yeah. I had no way to respond <laughs> other than right yes okay i guess so i'm just gonna pull you along involuntarily yeah, exactly. into my argument so at that at that season of my life i was sensitive about it and now i've grown insensitive we're hmm. just too too reinforcing of one another I wonder if other listeners have noticed this. We, we don't want to know. Uh, we don't want to know. <laughs> Maybe they noticed it in like their uh, spouse or their child or a friend. Could or be. Like yeah, that. yeah. So, so if you, um, there I go. Gosh, never gonna be able to talk again. Uh, if you also and you're preaching on Sunday, if you this is gonna be rough. <laughs> that's true. This is why I'm not using a manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> it seriously helps with these things. Actually. Hey, Matt's sermon was like eight minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> he just eliminated all the likes and the ums. <laughs> it felt really to the point. It was, it was great. It's like finally I could understand <laughs> understand what he was saying. Hey, if you want to call in with some curious church criticism, Aaron's cell phone is. Oh, oh, I guess not. Beep 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 beep. Yeah. Beep. Uh, yeah, Mark had the advantage of actually we've uh, we we you know we're friends. I would say we know each other socially, so he actually had my my number and could go right to the source. You can always email us a sound file, curiouschurch at granitesprings.org. Yeah, yeah, make your own supercut of a, of another episode. <laughs> Maybe there's one that's Please even don't. worse. Please don't. <laughs> Is this a new segment? Is this uh, curious church criticism? <laughs> Triple C. Curious Church Smackdown. Let, let's be honest, though. Part of the issue here, why we had to spend this time at the top of the episode, is because we've received no new reviews. There's no new five-star reviews. Really? Yeah, there's nothing. So if you want us to feel better about ourselves and me to not uh, be trapped in a... See, I'm searching for the words, so then there's... Just pause. I just need to pause. Pause. If you don't want us to be trapped in an existential... Whole of our own making. <laughs> Look out! Wasn't that great? Didn't that feel good? <laughs> Did that feel dramatic or something? <laughs> Just felt like I didn't know what I was about to say next. Oh, Mark, you have ruined me. <laughs> Leave us a review. Yeah, please do. Right. <laughs> Oh, wow. That was amazing. So, um... You said you had a segment, and I had no idea what was coming. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, again, I hope this isn't debilitating to us, because we have conversation that we'd like to have. And it's just the two of us, so there's really not that much time oh, to think right. about what you're going to say. You're right. This might have been the wrong time oh. to bring this up. Also, Q, if you're listening, sorry I didn't let you know that I was going to put you in a right supercut uh, for this episode. That's okay. We were we were cruel to Q in that episode as well. We made him chant. Remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Q, we love you, and that's why we treat you so poorly. Do you have another segment you want to do? You don't have anything else in mind I didn't because have you else planned. Was... you came the least prepared that I have ever, that you've ever been. Come. Okay, that's actually probably not true, but. I did not have a segment in mind. Do you have one that you want to do? No, that was it. That took all my energy. Curious Church Criticism. I can't wait for the jingle. Zero stars get out of town. Waste of time. Two thumbs down. It's Curious Church Criticism with Aaron and 
maybe we're maybe we're coming into this conversation with the right spirit, <laughs> because what we want to talk today about is playfulness, and this is something we really need a lesson on, because when that, whenever these mics get hot, they get real hot. They get real hot, and we get real serious. Yeah. Serious church. That's what we serious, should call this podcast. Serious church podcast. <laughs> Actually, it's funny that you say that. I just had an interaction with someone the other day. So recently, uh, we celebrated 27 years here at Granite Springs. Sure. And I got to MC that evening, yeah. which is mostly kind of a silly, fun thing. MC Matt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this person said to me, you know, I just want you to know, you're usually so serious oh. on a Sunday morning. Really? Um, gosh, every time I say um. Oh, I think the ums are okay. Ums are okay? I think so. You're Okay, anyway, they said, you're usually so serious. You can edit all this out, Aaron. I'm going to start that one more time, that sentence, <laughs> in my own head. You're usually so serious on a Sunday morning, preaching, or doing prayers, or whatever the case might be. It was fun mm-hmm. to see that side of you. And I thought... That's interesting feedback because, you know, I might say I, I think I'm pretty consistent to who I am all the time and based on the setting. Yeah. But that, that obviously I'm being perceived in a certain way. And it, uh, there wasn't a criticism at all in what this person was saying. They meant it in a complimentary way. Just sure. as, hey, it was fun to see that other kind of side. Sure. Um, but a playful. So this kind of got me thinking as well about playfulness and what playfulness looks like and how what the place of playfulness is and all these things. Should a worship service be a serious affair? That's a great question. And you know what's something interesting? This is a sidebar. Yeah. I listened to a whole podcast once about how people who say that's a great question is also a filler. Oh, interesting. Now people say that all the time too. That was a really good question, though. I, I didn't mean that in a filler way. Um, should a worship service be serious? You know, I think if they have their own, if this person's only context for hearing you speak mm-hmm. or interact with a group is in a worship service, presumably, yeah, then then they had not seen that playful side of you. That sort of logically means that you were not being playful in worship, right? Which I'm not sure is a fair either. Sure. But I mean, maybe, well, maybe we can back up to even a question that I was thinking about and circle back to this one. Because what do yeah. we mean when we say playfulness? Okay. Like what, what does, what are we trying to say? Sometimes you, you kind of have the feel of what playfulness is. Yeah. But what, what do we mean when we're talking about playfulness? And are we talking, are we talking today specifically in the context of worship or are we talking kind of broadly? We could be either. Yeah. If we were... If you had come prepared, maybe we would know what direction we're going. <laughs> this is my own packet, listeners. I have some quotes. Shuffling papers in front of the microphone. That means we're prepared. That's... It's an audio medium, so they might have been blank pages. <laughs> well, I think worship could be a helpful place to start, and then maybe we can also talk more broadly. Maybe. But, but like when, so when I think about playfulness, it seems like we're talking about we're not just talking about a bunch of jokes because in fact that would just be in some context that's inappropriate. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's not just like, Oh, this, this pastor did five minutes of stand up, you know, as part of their sermon that that's, that's not necessarily playful. Right. Although maybe it sometimes is playful. It could be playful. It could just be inappropriate depending. We can cite this article later, but this reminded me of a quote in here um, that we did read beforehand that, uh, where this author says a sermon that includes a joke is one thing, a jokey sermon is another. Oh, that's good. So what's the difference? <laughs> like... Four. Four jokes. So that's yeah. like, like right. put a number on it. <laughs> but I, it's it's kind of interesting because the, the idea of worship feels like it should be something we take really seriously because uh, we are, I think we're taught to think that churches are serious places. They look often yeah. like historically like serious buildings mm-hmm. and they're filled with serious people who are leading it and people and serious worshipers, uh, presumably. So it does seem like, okay, you're in the, you're in the, you're in the business of saving souls, which sounds like a serious thing to be doing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if we, um, that's the one I do. Uh, I know because I have to edit a lot of them out. <laughs> <laughs> but the business of grace feels like it should be something we ex- like are exalt in every day. Hmm. Is playfulness the same as joy, do you think? I think there's intersection or overlap. Okay. What would be the difference between the two? We've talked about joy, Easter joy, a couple, a year or so ago, right? Right. Right? (laughs) 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 Mark! But here's the thing. I think that's the first one, and we're 20-something minutes in, so that's pretty good. It might be the first unintentional one. (laughs) Uh, Oh, we're talking about Easter joy, which is another thing maybe we don't do very well in church. That was one of my arguments uh, I remember from Mm -hmm. that podcast, but... But if joy and playfulness, I think I think playfulness precludes joy, or maybe comes from joy, one or the other. So joy is sort of well, when we talk about joy, typically we don't talk about joy as an emotional state, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we don't talk about joy as an emotional <laughs> state because that's typically or classically how we hear a lot of Christians we we describe happiness as a state and joy as sort of. Uh, a fact, a reality mm-hmm. that the Christian tries to live into. Right, right, right. So maybe playfulness then becomes sort of the attitude or, well, joy is sort of an attitude too. See, I'm just struggling. Like we use these words mm-hmm. and some sometimes to use words kind of loosely is helpful, but I think sometimes to kind of drill down definitionally is, that, is pretty important to... Yeah, what's the difference between a jokey sermon and a sermon with jokes? Right. And I'm I'm not quite sure I know what I mean when I say playfulness. Like I could tell you is I mean maybe it's something we don't articulate. Maybe it's something that is sort of one of these things you know it when you see it. Um like when someone's being playful, you can t- you kind of know, you can see. It feels like worship if we're still talking sort of about worship services for now, but there needs to be a grounding of truth and reality you know, from which can spring all kinds of other things, joy and playfulness and life and gratitude. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, uh, playfulness maybe is sort of, um, can I use this image? It's sort of, it's the rolling around in joy. Oh, okay. So it's sort of, uh, we'll try this on, see if this works. Okay, I like it. You know, so if happiness is sort of like this emotion... Um, and joy is sort of a a state created by sort of grace that we're a lot, that we're able to enter into. Playfulness is sort of the like rolling in round in joy, like sort of getting it all over you. Yeah, and kind of it's it's something. There's some pra- like there's practices that are a part of playfulness. It feels like so. I don't mean that necessarily in the terms of like spiritual disciplines, but more in the sense of like telling a joke is something you do. It's not something you feel necessarily yeah although it's related it incites feelings so play so playfulness is sort of action oriented in a way that these other things aren't yeah um and tends to create can be conducive to create sort of happiness and joy or invites i mean playfulness at its best is always hospitable right it's always inviting people into joy and playfulness maybe that's part of it playfulness as, as i talked for a long time working this out maybe playfulness is it invites people in, and when it's in, it's inappropriate when it begins to ostracize or people feel distanced. That's good. All right, this has been an episode of Curious <laughs> <laughs> Like, can I give an example yes. of one? So I was thinking about playfulness. This past Sunday was Easter Sunday. Yes. And I get up to lead our communion liturgy, and our tech yeah. person, who is wonderful and does a wonderful job, just right. happened to miss the cue. Right. And then happened to miss the fact that I was waiting for the cue. Right. And so then, you know, you're a little bit stuck. It's like, what do you do? Yeah. And so I, I didn't really know what to do. But so my response was to say, the, you know, the conversation will be on the screen now. <laughs> Hoping that would cue. But then right. I was also like, but the, it's also a playful way to do it. Because then I yeah. said again, or now. Yeah. And I did it like four times. <laughs> which... Was not effective in getting anyone's attention, but eventually we got it worked out, right. so it was all fine. Right. But there's a that moment is also kind of inclusive of the audience, right? It's sort of 
rather than panicking. The one option is for me to panic and just say, why mm. is the slide not right. there? Right. Instead, it's sort of saying like, hey, we're all in this together anyway. You can't, you can't move forward until I can move forward. I'm, I'm so glad you used this as an example because I thought the exact same thing sprang to mind. Be, oh, yeah. Yeah. And these moments, like, again, it's kind of like you don't want a jokey sermon. Mm-hmm. You don't want a worship service that's full of these moments. Right. But they, when they happen and you can be honest with the entire room about what's happening... I feel those actually are moments of playfulness. And I think, I hope, it's something we do pretty well at Granite Springs. Because you're right, you could have doubled down and and been like, uh, we need your attention right now. <laughs> yeah. Person? Person. <laughs> we, need this, we need this to happen. Because right? that, that makes every, everyone's uncomfortable in that moment. Sure, but, what you, but you've, been, you've, you know, you've been serious and you recognize this is a, a serious deviation from... Hmm. The, ser- the plan of the service. But the playfulness allows us to laugh at ourselves and, and re- reduce the, you know, reduce the weirdness or awkwardness. And uh, it's play- I think it's playful. That's great. At its core. So if we're work like, so I'm, in my mind, I'm kind of still working on a definition. So playfulness yeah. has, like, it's hospitable, so it's inviting other people in, right? Okay. So a joke at someone's expense ceases to be playful. Like it becomes bullying, right? Right at that point, because now not everybody's uh, not not everyone can enter along. it. Yeah. So, but then you use this word honesty, which I think is really helpful. So, playfulness has this element of hospitality, has this element of honesty, right? So, there's a recognition, which is really interesting, because in some sense, in that moment, things are not going the way they're supposed to. <laughs> Right. Right. Correct. Yeah. That is to say, Correct. that is to say, I agree with what you're saying. Do you concur? <laughs> I concur. Things are not going the way they're supposed to go. And so playfulness is almost this grace that helps us mediate. Um, you know, that particular instance isn't an example of brokenness, but there's lots of examples of brokenness. And sometimes playfulness can help us encounter brokenness in a way uh, that is honest rather than sort of brushing it under the rug. That's sort of, yeah, using that example as a microcosm. No, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Zooming, um, so the author, should we cite this article? Sure. Um, yeah. Because I did, I enjoyed reading this quite a bit. So this is written by David Taylor, Assistant Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary. Published in the Regent World, where I went to grad school. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you know, did you know David Taylor? I don't know David Taylor, no. Mm-hmm. But he probably never uses right or um. Probably not. He seems highly, uh, highly educated. Yeah, you didn't say he's not a former professor. He's a current. Is that right? (laughs) He is. I mean... Is that correct? I think that it's... Oh, he's got a book that's going to be published in 2019. Oh, cool. Oh, on Psalms and the Life of Faith in 2020. Okay, anyway. He's got some great quotes kind of up front on his article here, which I enjoy. From our old friend, the reformer Martin Luther, if you're not allowed to laugh in heaven, I don't want to go there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love the G.K. Chesterton 2. Chesterton 1, too. Seriousness is not a virtue. Uh, the marvelous uh, oh, book called Orthodoxy. It would be a heresy, he continues, but a much more sensible heresy to say that seriousness is a vice. It is really a natural trend or lapse into taking oneself gravely because it is the easiest thing to do. Uh, For solemnity flows out of men naturally, but laughter is a leap. It is easy to be heavy, hard to be light. Satan fell by the force of gravity. Which I'm not sure about that metaphor, but it's kind of interesting anyway. It is interesting, and it feels... Yeah, that, that rang true for me, not necessarily that last metaphor, but the idea that seriousness is a natural state. Yeah. Like when writing a sermon, it's far easier. It's so much easier to just write prose that is just serious and laying out propositions <laughs> than it is to write something that's engaging and to preach something that's engaging and fun and has these, has jokes or has things like that. Like, um, yeah, putting a joke in a sermon, I mean, Kevin is masterful at this, the Reverend Dr. Kevin Adams, <laughs> who you have heard many times on this this uh, podcast. Uh-huh. 
I almost used the word eponymous, which would have been a horrible usage, that word, but this is how much Mark Van Bibber is in my head. <laughs> I'm pausing and I'm coming up with incorrect words. <laughs> that's, that's not better. It would have to be the Kevin Church podcast for it to be the eponymous podcast, I think. Anyway. Um, but like, that's, it's a hard thing. I don't, I don't even, we haven't even talked about music yet. Mm. It's, it's one thing when sort of for me and the parts of worship that I'm involved in leading, uh, there's always opportunity for me to ad lib, right? I can do, do something that might be playful. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it fails miserably. Yeah. But music is like, you're, you're set in a whole nother way. So what does... What does hospitable, honest playfulness look like in leading music? Well, I think like any art form, you sort of have the benefit of already rolling around in the joy, or at least in the oh, emotion yeah. of the of the art form. Yeah. So in a way it's it's kind of cheating because the playfulness is right there, I I feel like, in the gift of music. It's like baked in. It's baked in. That's part yeah. of the deal. Um, so, lucky me. <laughs> I'm already playful. That's really interesting. <laughs> I think you could do, I think, I think you could take yourself really, s- I think you could do music, you know, seriously and stoically. And that's probably done in some places, right, in some contexts. Mm-hmm. So, recently we had our Good Friday service, and that might be a that, you know, that service as a whole, there's not room for joy or playfulness, really, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's true. So right. maybe, maybe context is even more important than we think it is. Right, so if we're going back to the definition, maybe we add appropriateness, right? There is, like, playfulness has to, like, context matters for playfulness. Um, this also feels this feels so very subjective because when you just say that playfulness and context context is important for playfulness, then there, then there are a million factors that we're talking about. Yeah, that's really, that's a good point. Um, that's true. I think it's true, but it's kind of hard to define. It's true. And in some sense, you could probably never be playful for everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to hear you talk about the playfulness that's kind of naturally in music. And then, so there's kind of two layers, there's multiple layers then in a worship service where there's, yeah, the play that's baked in. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Oh, yes. He did it. Uh, it strikes me that there's something about playfulness that's sort of abundant. Mm. So mm-hmm. if I think about, so playfulness baked into music in some sense. But then, you know, also if you have a gifted musician and you give them a solo in a song that while we're worshiping, there's something about that that feels playful. Because uh, it's sort of not necessary. It's it's extra. Um, none of us were sitting there saying, we need a solo if we can't worship without a solo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so there's something kind of, you're just leaning into the abundance of the medium and saying, uh, play, play away. Uh, our friend David Taylor says we are freed. Oh, in creation, there is wonderful excess of light and texture of goodness and beauty, and it is all a grace. So I think that's kind of what you're saying, yeah, too. We that's have, much be- better said <laughs> significantly. <laughs> we have the, like, this, this is one of, of many gifts that we have as part of creation, and we get to, it's not a have to, it's we get to yeah. revel in it. Nothing outside of God's, he continues, nothing outside of God's character compels him to make a world in which not just one kind of apple exists. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is this an episode of Apple Talk? This, we're taking a turn here. Because <laughs> I actually have an Apple Talk for a future episode. Oh, I can't wait. Yep. But rather 7,500 cultivars of apples from AC Mac to York Imperial. Uh, one kind not, uh, not to be mentioned. Thank God he didn't mention that kind. <laughs> So we are free. He says we are free to revel in creation's excess. We get to. We don't just have to. So I think that's kind of what we're saying too. That's ex- yeah. That's that's really helpful as well. So to go more broadly, maybe so we we can imagine ways that playfulness can be used. Would we advocate playfulness in liturgy and worship? Mm. 
In other words, imagine someone who is sitting and they're, they're thinking, every Sunday is so serious at my church. Should their church be more playful? Yes. I think so. Okay. I think I do advocate for it. Say more. I, I think when you are, yeah, I do. I, I, think it's, I think to not be is a rejection of, I think this is of kind of a, reform, a very uh, reformed, theologically reformed view of this, but to not do so is to reject part of God's good creation and his gifts to us. Yeah. Including his, his grace. I'll, yeah, I can I see mean, that. I don't... One of the questions I'd written down um, was, are we most ourselves when we are playing? Oh. And I don't know quite the ans- my answer to that question, but I wonder about it. If... Thankfully, that's our main thing on this podcast, is to wonder about things yeah. and not answer Fortunately. questions. Well, you know, speaking of this podcast, people will sometimes, they have a hard time sometimes describing it because we have these kind of two components in some yeah. sense like there's this basically complete play like it's just us <laughs> messing around <laughs> we could talk about whatever Aaron can spend a, a probably sickening amount of time putting together a super cut of the number of times we said right on an episode and it's just play and then we we often will make a transition and there's kind of this conversation and often the play kind of that will continue you've heard it uh, hopefully even in this conversation yeah I think. yeah um, but people sometimes struggle like I've even heard Kevin sometimes saying, "Oh, there's some silliness, but then like once you get to this part, you know, it you'll there's some really helpful things there." Right. Which, Correct. Which, I agree. Which is totally fair because that's that's true. Right. Um, but it's funny how I I just think it's kind of funny how the playfulness we we don't always know exactly how to hold on to that or categorize it or it doesn't. And we, we help fully segmentize, I think, which just clarifies like there's the kind of funny part and then there's the serious part. So that that's a different way to access. <laughs> but but it does. Sometimes playfulness just defies our categorizing something, right? Like if a podcast is just interviews, you can say, oh, there's really interesting interviews. If a podcast is just jokes, oh, it gets filed under the comedy podcast. Sure. If a podcast is doing a little bit of both, you're like, I don't quite know. You kind of, yeah. It's like there's all kinds of podcasts. You listen to podcasts. There's podcasts yeah. where you're like, you just need to listen to it. I don't yeah. quite know how to describe yeah. it. Yeah, no, I know. So in some sense, we're trying to aspire to be something like that. I think. Um, the uh, David Taylor makes an argument also for you were asking if we uh, if playfulness comes naturally to us or something. You, we were asking something like that. I was asking if we should be, if we should advocate for playfulness. Yeah. Um, oh, I said, are we most ourselves when we play? Are we most ourselves when we play? He, um, he talks a little bit about how kids, how it uh, comes really natural to kids and how maybe we kind of lose that as we get older and we realize how serious we have to be to sort of march through life and get things done. So I, 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 I would advocate for playfulness for sure. Yeah. I was thinking a little bit about the intersection of, um, um, I like that one, uh, a little vocal fry in there. <laughs> uh, the intersection of kids and playfulness and music mm-hmm. and how um, so, like kids' songs are a playful way for them to... For, for kids, a lot of time music can be play. So they may be learning, like maybe some old Sunday schools are not, like songs are not great examples. Maybe some of them are. But you, I think they learn truths about who they are and who God is, like at a young age, by being having music be a playful way for them to enter into those truths. Yeah. That's well said. I think one thing, there's a couple of things why I think playfulness is worth advocating. One is it's memorable. It's helpful. So this is just an example. I was reading a book. This book is about, um, well, the first part is all about brain science. So it's kind of heady and it's kind of complicated. And um, so he's talking about basically does the fact that this section of our brain, does that influence that side of our brain? Or does the fact that that part, that processing area is on that side, does it get influenced that way? Okay, so that's a complicated way okay. of putting it. Here, here's, what, here's how he then puts this in a line. He says, to put it simply, 
Does placing a maths professor in a circus troupe result in a flying mathematician or a bunch of trapeze artists who can no longer perform unless they have first calculated the precise tra trajectory of their leap? <laughs> that's like in this academic book. Yeah. That's like a play. There's a playfulness there. Right, of course. Which I think suddenly it clarifies, it actually makes more memorable uh, what he was trying to say. In fact, it wasn't until I read that sentence that I really understood what the point was here. Oh, is yeah. the setting kind of influencing what's going on or is it the fact that this person, this thing is in that setting then influencing the rest of the setting? Yeah. Right? So playfulness can do that. This was interesting. I read an article a while ago about the rise of the playgrounds because this goes back to children. The rise uh, of the playgrounds. Yeah. So uh, it starts... <laughs> Sounds kind of scary. It starts with like sand piles in Boston. Uh, basically to give kids something to do, they just put a bunch of sand in like this block in Boston. Okay. And then in an 1888 article in Scribner's, the story of a sand pile, a, psychology, a psychologist, Stanley Hall, detailed how a group of boys outside Boston used their sandbox to practice skills both practical and moral. Oh. On the whole, the sand pile has, the article says, in the opinion of the parents, been of about as much yearly educational value to the boys as the eight months of school, he concluded. The boys have grown more companionable and rational, learned many a lesson of self-control, and developed a spirit of self-help. So that's 1888 oh. language. But kind of interesting that these people were tapping into something about playfulness is actually formative. Uh, it is uh, helpful. It can do things for us. And then I, I kind of suggested there's something about playfulness that can be memorable. It's almost always the case if I preach a sermon and I have a story that's kind of playful or engaging, maybe sadly, no, not sadly, it's just the truth. People remember the story and yeah. they won't remember the rest of what your sermon was about two weeks later, right? <laughs> so. Okay, so here's, here's my hard question, the, the thing I was wrestling with. I don't want a hard question, Matt. Too bad. <sighs> is, so the question essentially is how can we be playful? in a broken world. In other words, is, is playfulness just synonymous with privilege? In other words, we're here mm. and we can kind of say like, oh, let's be playful because we have basic needs met. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, you know, a church building that we're able to meet in. Yeah. Uh, so earlier we said we would advocate playfulness, but for people who are... Easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. So is like how do how do we think about that? I saw I hope this doesn't get too sad, but I saw a brief article online actually just this morning about uh, an impoverished person in India who was just like a vendor selling tea. That was kind of his main job. Yeah. And he was asked what was the happiest you've ever been? And he said there was a, some major convention nearby where he sold so much tea that he was able to take his wife and kids to McDonald's for mm. dinner. And that was like the happiest. And he you know, was a hero to his kids. And that was the happiest day of his life or happiest he's ever been. Right. And then there's some, some, some uh, actually some insightful commentary afterward about how we all sort of have a baseline of life that we we're sort of accustomed to and adjusted to our surroundings and our resources and what we kind of what value, what, what has value is what we, what we do with those resources and, uh, and time. So I'm not sure exactly how this fits into your question, but I do think that there is, and again, it's easy for us, for us to say serve as middle-class 21st yeah. century Americans, but I hope that there's a level of playfulness that can exist in for everyone regardless of their circumstances. Yeah, that that's helpful. I think some of it feels like there's something wrong about playfulness if it's done without gratitude. Hmm, I like that. If it's just sort of like that's where someone just being jokey is not necessarily being playful or I want to draw that distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, but playfulness, especially maybe if we're to say like a playfulness that's rooted in the Christian story has to have some element of gratitude, recognizing that everything we have, the ability to be playful. Like I think right now, right, about um, the, the deaths in Sri Lanka, 
right over Easter weekend. Yeah. Part of me wants to say there's no like there's just no playfulness for anyone in mourning. And yet I think we also know probably from experience that sometimes people need playfulness in mourning. Mm-hmm. And so there's always this kind of there's this tension, but when we look at that, it feels just privileged to be able to sit here and be playful. Yeah. But in some sense, uh, grace allows us to be, I think, because as provided we recognize the giftedness of playfulness. Hmm. Because we, I mean, we, well, maybe you don't know people, but you can imagine people who are never able to be playful because there's always, there's always something else that they should be concerned about or serious about. And our world is such a world that there is always something that we can, should, ought to be serious about. Yeah. And increasingly, we're connected in such a way that we can easily find out what those things are. Hmm. And so then playfulness, in fact, is just, it feels even more like a gift. Like you have, you have space, you have opportunity. To be playful all the time is to not be playful, in fact, because that then misses, misses some of the context things we're talking about. Hmm. But we have, to be, we have to recognize its giftedness in order to be properly playful. Does that resonate? I think that's really well said. We should feel by God's grace, we should be allowed to be playful in the church just in the same way we should be allowed to mourn within the church, right? And we should be able to grieve within the church or be angry within the church or serious within the church, but also playful in the church. So maybe the question of the day is the uh, grace allows us to feel sort of the spectrum of human emotions that we are gifted to have within the church and even within a church service, within a worship service context. Yeah. Not all in the same one, but over the, over the life of a worship, a worshiping church. I feel like, I feel like what's cool is that when we, we could do a version of this podcast where we are just just rifling through theological texts and searching for truths. But the question asking and the playfulness that we do have done all along the way in low these 30 <laughs> some episodes <laughs> has, I, I, I come back to the honesty of that and how I'm just kind of grateful to be having these conversations and, and working on things and figuring out things. And I think, yeah. again, that's sort of the grace that we're afforded yeah. to be able to do. In some sense, this whole episode has been a defense of our existence. (laughs) (laughs) It took us about 39 episodes to get here. Oh, you're totally right. (laughs) Listeners, you can skip this one. We're just trying to figure out (laughs) who 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 we we are. are. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Why do we say the filler words? (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I don't know about you, Matt. I'm going to keep doing it. Filler words or playfulness? All of it. All of it. <laughs> More of everything. I'm in, right? <laughs> All right, listeners. We're looking forward to your five-star reviews. Um, your emailed voicemails. Call out a, a friend or a loved one who says right too often. Let us know about it. Let this podcast fuel you to a cruel crusade of sending people into existential <laughs> abysses. You got a problem with someone, leave them a voicemail. (laughs) Change their life. For the worse? Possibly. (laughs) Oh, boy. You made it this far. Thank you. Yeah, we know you did. Hats off to you. Until next time, friends, this is Aaron. I'm Matt. Thanks for being curious with us. Mm